episode 141 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. As always, maybe a little March Madness talk uh, this week as well. A lot of people have been hitting me up this week talking about March Madness. We might touch on a little bit of that just because the draft is becoming more of something you guys want to talk about. Again, I'm not going to go fully into it this week um, because the Knicks have given the fan base a glimmer of hope over the last week. Knicks have won three straight. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the current state of the playoff race in the East and we'll look at the West, how it continues to develop and what's going to happen with the Clippers, what's going to happen with the Lakers, what's going to happen with the Mavericks. All of that and more is on the show this week. And we'll talk about the update that literally just came across on Cam Reddish as well. So we'll start with the Knicks and really strong week for the Knicks. Honestly, it's been a while since we've been able to say that. And, and Let's just go through the results first. Knicks go to LA uh, at the beginning of the week between podcasts. That's how we normally measure things around here. And they get a pretty convincing win against the Clippers, who had kind of righted the ship a little bit, at least. And, uh, you know, the Knicks again faced a, uh, a very depleted LA Clippers team, but a, you know... Uh, Still a worthy opponent. You still have the likes of Trey Mann, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Zubats, Batum, Ojale and Hood, you know, Luke Kennard making things happen off the bench. Amir Coffey had 16 points to lead all scores for LA, but just too much, uh, excuse me, too much RJ Barrett, too much Emmanuel Quickly, who was four assists shy of a triple-double. Alec Burks stepped up. And all this, despite Julius Randle really scuffling from the field, made just four of uh, four of sixteen from the field. So very impressive. Knicks win one sixteen ninety three. Didn't really break a sweat in this game. I, I thought the third quarter was really the only dip. The rest of the game, the Knicks dominated. You know, it was it was actually very impressive. For once, the Knicks didn't throw away. A big halftime lead. Knicks were dominant. The third quarter, listen, the, the Clippers made a run. They got back into the game briefly in the third, but the Knicks did what they haven't really done the last two months, and they and they closed it out. They closed it out. They outscored the Clippers by 11 in the fourth quarter, and that was that. It, it was a rout at times in the fourth. So it started out really strong. You know, Knicks get, a, again, no Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard, but still an impressive victory on the road. And, and again, it's because of the margin of victory. The Knicks did what they were supposed to do, right? That that was kind of what stood out. Um, then, I you know, I didn't know what to think going to Sacramento. The Kings are scuffling. Uh, their season is, you know, slowly but surely, uh, you know, spinning down the drain. But you never know. I didn't know what Knicks team was going to show up, and and it, <laughs> the bad ones showed up in the first half. Knicks were god awful in the first quarter, in particular, um, and didn't do much better in the second quarter. And then all of a sudden, halftime came, 
and they regrouped. And after getting, I think the Knicks were down, geez, was it? I think the Knicks were down 16 after one, 17 at the half, maybe 15 at the half. And then the Knicks uh, outscored the Kings by 20 in the third quarter and put them to bed in the fourth and won 131 to 115, a convincing win in the end. And it was really all about Julius Randle. 46 points, a phenomenal performance from him, a career high, 46 points, 29 from R.J. Barrett, Fournier, waking up with 15 points as well and then Emmanuel quickly almost aware has this been a couple of nights with 27 and six rebounds and went I think 10 of 11 from the free throw line was just tremendous off the bench and it again was a laugher in the fourth I was I was flipping back and forth between this game and some college basketball that night and every time I flip back the Knicks' lead had been increased every time. So it was very impressive to see the Knicks, again, just clamp down defensively in the fourth in particular after they, you know, uh, race-boated past the Kings in in the third and just wiped out that 15-point deficit and put them away, you know, outscoring them 39-28 in the fourth, and didn't really, again, didn't break a sweat in the fourth, that's what the Knicks should be doing against these teams, it's again, where has this been the last two months, and then honestly, the, the, this, this one was a head scratcher, I thought the Knicks would go to Dallas and come back down to earth, it was the complete opposite, they went into another stratosphere, they really did, I was shocked with the way the Clippers, excuse me, with the way the Mavericks played. Absolutely shocked. Dallas was absolutely dreadful on this night in particular. And by the way, this is the third, I should say, sorry, second time this year the Knicks have blown out the Mavericks. They blew them out at the Garden, 108-85, and they did it again, 107 to. 77 yes 77 with a essentially full Mavs team at the disposal you know fully healthy Dallas Mavericks team and besides Luka who somehow in a 40 point loss still manages to put up 31 points only him only him right I mean he still had a good game but the supporting cast for Dallas, oh, yikes. Dinwiddie with 13, nobody else in double figures for Dallas. And the Knicks just absolutely ransacked the Mavericks. 26 from Randall, all five starters in double figures. 18 again from Barrett, who I, I thought in this, this was his best game of the week. I, I thought, I know point totals were higher. In the other games, RJ on both ends in this game was tremendous. One turnover, four assists, seven rebounds. I thought on both ends made great decisions. And Alec Burks again, this time with a double-double with 11 rebounds and 15 points. Didn't shoot it great from three, but everything else he did was huge. 
Another double-double from Mitchell Robinson. Fournier had double figures. Taj Gibson had double figures, for God's sake. And Emmanuel quickly had had nine, six, and six rebounds. I mean, it was a perfect performance. It really was. Dallas was dreadful. And the Knicks had a big hand in that. But still, for, for a Dallas team that's got 40 wins... I was shocked at times how much the Knicks were able to to out physical out physical them and just out hustle them and really make them look silly at times. I mean, the only person for Dallas that can leave with their head held high was Luca, and Luca still again I don't know how he does it, but his team was as bad as they've been since he's gotten there on a in a game. 77 points and you lose by 40 excuse me lose by 30 pardon me Knicks won by 30 107 to 77 and he still puts up 31 points and was uh, the leading scorer for both teams I mean he still you know does what he has to do that's what that's what the great ones do that's what the stars are paid to do in the NBA but the Knicks were on another level. I mean, this is the second time this year where you, you go into a Dallas game thinking the Mavericks are going to figure it out, and the Knicks just absolutely blitzed them for four quarters. Uh, it was it was pretty shocking to see. Knicks had a 27-point lead at the half. 27-point lead at the break. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then... Dallas, I didn't, I mean, they never got back into it, but they chipped away a little bit in the third, but they never got as, I think, I think the closest the lead got, I think might've been 20 points. I mean, it was never, never, uh, you know, going to be a comeback here. And then the Knicks, you know, punished them again in the fourth and Dallas, I I just double checked this. Dallas scored 12 fourth quarter points, 12 I mean, even for bench guys coming in in garbage time in the NBA, that is dreadful. 12 fourth quarter points. I mean, it doesn't get worse than that for an NBA team. 77 points in a game. And you give up over 100. I mean, oh, my goodness. With your full complement on the floor. that's I think that's what surprised me the most when looking looking back at it. Dallas was at full strength, basically. There's uh, there's really not much else you would add or take away from the Dallas team that the Knicks played that night. And they absolutely ransacked them. That, that was the most surprising result, maybe in the NBA this week. I thought there was no chance the Knicks would go in there and play well because, you know, it's been, anytime the Knicks have gone on a good run, it's been fool's gold this year. And the Mavericks just were, oh my gosh. I mean, as bad as they've been in, in, in the last three years. And the Knicks punished them for it. They really did. So it ends up being an impressive week for the Knicks. You beat a, a Clippers team that's getting itself back in, you know, back on track a little bit. You take care of the Kings after a bad first quarter on the road. And then you go to uh, Dallas and you destroy the Mavericks. And I, and I should have mentioned this too. I didn't get it. I didn't mention this. Uh, she said, didn't mention this at the top, but the Knicks gave Phoenix a really good game at the beginning of all this. 
you know, the Knicks lost it, you know, in a heartbreaking fashion, no question about it, but it's in Phoenix and Cam Johnson just makes a really tough shot at the buzzer to win it for Phoenix. But the rest of it, you know, the three wins kind of put that away. Again, you can say another, you know, another time where the Knicks had it and blew it, but Phoenix is Phoenix. I mean, those are the kind of times where you just go, well, Phoenix is the, you know, the Western Conference champs, best team in the league right now. That's when you, you know, those are, it's when you do it against the Nets when they don't have anybody on the floor. That's when it's concerning. You know, the Knicks had a double digit lead and the, and the, and Phoenix showed why they're one of the best teams in the league. They came back and they won, but you know what? The Knicks finally got off the mat. They finally showed a little bit of resolve, you know, resolve that we were so, we were getting so used to from last season. You know, resolve that got the Knicks the four seed and got them through so many times last season where, again, they were doubted. And the Knicks kept on winning. They kept on finding a way. That that's this that DNA was lost for a lot of this season and they found a little bit of a sparkle, a little bit of a glimmer these last three games. All convincing wins, you know, all kind of showing the Knicks, hey, Showing us as well, like, we, there's still a chance we could figure this out. Knicks are only three and a half back of the final play-in spot, but this is what it's going to take, you know? This is what it's going to take. But for me, there's still a long way to go here. A long way to go. Knicks are still 10 games below 500, you know? And they have to try to catch Atlanta or whoever falls into that 10 spot. It's not going to be easy. Not going to be easy at all. I think the I think the Wizards are still ahead of the Knicks as well. So you got to get past the Wizards, and then you got to get past the Hawks or probably the the Hornets to get into the to get into the dance, as they say. So we'll see. I mean, the Knicks the, when the podcast goes out, the Knicks play the the Grizzlies. On the road, Knicks have been getting spanked by Memphis of late. Although who hasn't been? Memphis has been one of the best teams in in the in the Western Conference all year. They've, they've just been tremendous. So we'll see how the Knicks fare. They've been so good on this Western West Coast road trip. You know, could never have seen it going this well. Knicks are three and one on this West Coast swing. So. We'll see. They get Memphis on Friday when the podcast goes out. Then they go to Brooklyn on Sunday. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be another game where the Knicks should, again, like they did at the Garden earlier this year, they should win, but we'll see. And then the schedule gets very important for the Knicks. Portland, Washington head-to-head is big. Utah, Atlanta head-to-head is big now. Charlotte on the road head-to-head. Massive. Miami, Detroit, Chicago, Charlotte again to end the month of March. And then it's the home stretch. Cleveland, Orlando, Brooklyn, Washington again. Second to last game of the regular season. And then the Knicks host the Raptors on April 10th to end the regular season. So we're going to know quite a bit about this Knicks team in the next week and a half. Will they actually be making a run at this? That's We're going to know pretty quickly because the Knicks have to get as close to 500 for their overall record as they could possibly get. 
to have a shot at this. Right now, when you look at the standings, and we'll take a little bit of a deeper dive uh, as this goes on, but uh, later on in the show in particular, but you know the Knicks are 10, 10 games under. Atlanta's three games under. So is Charlotte. You got to get as close to that as possible, right? I mean, that's when you're going to know you're in the race. When you can get to around four or five games under 500, you know? Good news for the Knicks is they have made up some ground. You know, Atlanta and Charlotte have lost two in a row while the Knicks have gone on this winning streak. So they've made up some ground. I think it was five and a half back last time we chatted. Now it's three and a half back of Charlotte and Atlanta. And the Knicks are two back of the Wizards who lost the other night. So this is a race again. You know, the Knicks have shown some life here. They've shown a little bit of fight. You know, a glimmer of hope has risen, but we'll see. We'll see if the Knicks can keep this up. Memphis is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be really tough to see the Knicks going there and winning, but they've won at Golden State this year. They gave Phoenix a heck of a scare uh, uh, earlier last week. So we'll see. But Memphis is rolling, man. Memphis is in a really good spot right now i i would be they're up to second by the way in the west so they're playing really really well at the right time so we'll see we'll see phoenix by the way did clinch a playoff spot uh shocker i know but they're they're gonna be in the dance yet again this season and we'll dive into this a little bit more in the second half of the show maybe maybe we've been a little bit of march madness who knows who knows it's been a fun day by the way in college basketball no question about it all right let's go to cam reddish real quick get you an update on him uh cam reddish apparently has a separated shoulder and is out for the season uh it's his right shoulder team announced this on thursday so this was actually announced half an hour before i started recording so i was about to record and then i looked through you know and put together some bullet points for this week's show and and basically saw that this had just come out from Woj uh, on ESPN. So apparently um, he's going to recover in roughly six weeks. Obviously, for where we're at in the season, uh, that's that for Cam Reddish's 2021-2022 campaign. It's tough. You know, he, he really hasn't done a ton since he's come over. But, he's you know, he's a young player. Obviously, there was the whole controversy that Tibbs did not want him. Um, the deal was good at the time, giving up uh, basically nothing, and I should say, giving up uh, Kevin Knox and then basically nothing after that for Cam Reddish. It felt like an upgrade because you were never going to play Kevin Knox, and in the end, um, you know, Cam Reddish has you know been dealing with with an injury since he came over, but he played a little bit, showed some signs of what he could do, and then uh, obviously now the Knicks will not have him uh, for the rest of the season. So we'll see. We'll see how this this uh, materializes going forward. I'm curious to see what he will bring to the Knicks next season. I mean, that's really what it comes down to at this point with Cam Reddish. Again, the hope is that he could be a big part of this rotation depending on how the Knicks decide to handle the offseason. A big part of how the Knicks handle the offseason will be if, the, if they make the play-in. That, that will dictate quite a bit what the Knicks' plans are for next season. If the Knicks can rally here, and there's a lot of rallying that needs to be done, 
and they make it, I'm very curious to see if the front office rethinks it a little bit and then maybe you know tries to add again and improve the team. If they don't, I mean, who knows? You know, it, it could get to where I thought it would end up being, which is they might think about blowing this thing up and starting again with with some fresh players. So, oh man, we'll have to see. I mean, the, the next, as it always tends to be with those fringe teams in the NBA, the next few weeks are pretty darn important for the New York Knicks. No question about that. Let me know what you think in the comments below. We'll see what happens with Cam Reddish's future with the Knicks and if he'll be an impact player uh, for the Knicks next season. But for the time being, he will rest, he will recover, and the Knicks will try to keep this three-game winning streak going against Memphis. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll look at the West, we'll look at the East, see how things are shaping up, and boy, it's been a crazy day of college basketball, and you guys want some drafts, so I'll give you a little bit of draft and a little bit of hoop, and a little bit of march, and a little bit of madness. Next, on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast, on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. So just just to start off the second half, right? I do want to get to the the playoff chase. It's very much, you know, uh, all over the place, which I love. It, It really is wide open in both conferences right now, as we just kind of talked about in particular with the Knicks still having a shot here to get back into the mix. But March Madness has been phenomenal so far. I don't know if anybody has been watching it that listens to this show. I hope I hope you are, because everyone that loves draft tends to be college basketball fans on top of being NBA fans, which I love. I love the crossover this time of the year. And it's the time. If you haven't been watching college hoops, which in my opinion... I'll do respect to college football. I think people should be watching college hoops like starting in December. Like you really should be getting ready. If you're not a if you're not a diehard, I understand, right? But like when conference play starts, you should be tuning in. You know, you like by the time we get to late December and conference play gets going, you should have an eye on it. You know, I get you know the early season tournaments. I, I get you know maybe during the holidays you might throw a few hoops games on or. I and, and listen, I do it all year. I do it all year. Someone that went to a power conference school and covers power conference teams, I watch from November till the end. I always tune in. But I think I mean again, you know, some people the first time you tune into a college game during the year is like, you know, the battle for Atlantis or something like that when you see some ranked teams going at it. Or it's the, you know, Big East Big Ten Challenge or the ACC Big Ten or SEC, you know, against the the Big 12. You know, that's sometimes when, you know, someone then goes, oh, okay, let's see what Kentucky's looking like. Duke, Kansas, Carolina, what are we going to look at? You know, who stands out? And then, you know, then a little bit more trickle in for conference play. And I think more should. Conference play is so good in college basketball. It's where the level really starts to rise. And But there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that don't tune in until either the Super Bowl is over, you know, the Super Bowl ends, and then all of a sudden, you know, February, everyone's like, well, now what do we do? You know, the Rams just beat the, the Bengals. What are we supposed to do? 
And then they go, oh, there's college hoops on. Let's watch college hoops. And then all of a sudden, the the attention switches over. Others, it, they don't, they, they go and they wait till March. As soon as the calendar flips to March, they're locked in. What a time to start getting locked in is what I'm trying to say. If you just started tuning in, you're a lucky duckling, my friend. Because the last week has just been off the charts. Buzzer beaters. 20-point comebacks. I mean, controversy. Crazy calls. We had a fight in the stands at the Bryant game, which was just awful. But it's everything's happening. Everything's happening right now. It's Armageddon. And... Again, let me be very clear. What happened at the Bryant, you know, NEC NEC championship game is absolutely unacceptable. But it's all happening. It is March. It is madness to the fullest. And it has been tremendous. I mean, the conference tournaments the last few nights have been off the charts. Uh, my, my alma mater, Seton Hall, had a late comeback and they knocked off Georgetown at the Garden in the first round of the Big East tournament. There was a crazy game uh, earlier in the night at the Garden with Xavier blowing a six-point lead and losing in overtime to their arch-rivals. Butler likely knocking Xavier out of the tournament. Indiana came back from 17 down, I think, against Michigan earlier on the day of recording on the Thursday. Miami beat Boston College at the buzzer. Arizona State threw away a 15-point lead against Stanford. Uh, it's just all going on. On, and some of the best teams haven't even played yet. You were waiting to see Jaden Ivey and Purdue enter the Big Ten tournament spotlight. We're waiting on the Wisconsin Badgers with Johnny Davis and that crew. I mean, Villanova at the time of recording is just about to tip off. Colin Gillespie, Big East Player of the Year, leading the Wildcats against St. John's, and then Seton Hall plays UConn. After I'll finish, after I finish recording, I'm going to go watch that at 9:30 at the Garden. And the Big Ten tournament has just been awesome. The ACC tournament as well, with Duke having a hold on against Syracuse. The crazy Buddy Bayheim incident in the Florida State game, throwing a punch. I mean, it's just been all happening. The good, the bad, the ugly, the madness so far. So, if you have some time. Watch these games. That's all I can say. Find time, whether it's your alma mater or whether it's someone you think the Knicks should draft. Watch March Madness as much as you can get because you're going to be well-versed going into the tournament itself, into the you know into the NCAA tournament, but also you're going to be much more well-versed for the draft. You're going to have a much more, you're going to have a much better idea of what I'm talking about and what everyone else is throwing around when it comes to mock drafts and the draft itself it's been tremendous uh we've been missing this it's just great to see crowds back everywhere um it's been awesome so i hope everyone's enjoying it that's really all i wanted to say because you can't get much better than this every other game has been off the charts good and um you're gonna learn a lot about players coaches programs and just why everyone loves this sport man it's unbelievable and from someone who's followed it all year college basketball in general this year has just brought the drama and it's going to culminate in what i think is going to be a tremendous finish to the conference tournaments and then 
what should be a fantastic NCAA tournament. I can't wait. I really can't. It's pretty wide open, by the way. I, I saw Gonzaga beat St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference Championship game, and my immediate thought was they don't look like the best team. Everyone says that Gonzaga is the favorite by far. They obviously had a perfect season until losing to Baylor in the National Championship game a season ago, but they didn't look that great against St. Mary's. I know St. Mary's kind of knows them. It's a conference championship game. It's, there's familiarity, but it's going to be wide open. They don't look like, you know, by far and away the best team. You know, I this is what I'll end with because I do want to finish off talking about the NBA playoff chase, but these are some teams to watch going into March Madness, going into the thick of it. We're already, we've gotten a lot of great games <laughs> the last few days but when we get to the actual tournament these are some teams to look at you got to look at duke because this is coach k's last year they just got upset by carolina they survived syracuse today uh day of recording on the thursday so you got to look out for duke but as far as who can actually win it because i don't think duke's winning it this year i think you got to look at gonzaga i think you have to look at purdue as well i think you have to look at kentucky and i think they're a team that gets slept on a little bit they could go on a pretty deep run this year the wildcats they've got a really strong front line uh oche abaji has been tremendous oche abaji has been tremendous this season so i i think that kentucky in particular i i think they look very strong they look very strong and i, I apologize geez i just i mixed up my guys oche abaji is the the big man for kansas but when you look at kentucky in particular they are a team that is extremely deep on the front line. And I, I really think that they are dangerous. John Calipari, you know, sometimes is a little hit or miss with some of his teams, you know. But this year they got they've already won 25 games. They're they're gonna just they're just getting going into the SEC tournament. They're gonna be really strong. Now I just mentioned Kansas by accident, but Kansas is is pretty good. I don't know if they're final four good this year, but they got a good team. Ochai Abaji is very strong, as I just said, in the wrong uh, context. Oscar Shibway is who I meant to bring up, and of course I mixed them up, so I apologize for that. Shibway has been great for Kentucky this season, but it's been Ochai Abaji for KU, who's just been tremendous. So I apologize for the mix-up, but those are the two guys to watch from there. And then in the Big East, I mean, you have to look out for Villanova and Providence, and I think you look at UConn, you look at, at my guys, Seton Hall as potential teams to make a run so we'll see we'll have to see what happens but man oh man start watching it if you haven't already it's been tremendous so far uh for march madness and it's only going to get better as the bracket comes out and as conference tournament uh conference tournaments come to a close so can't wait for that um let's wrap things up by talking about the nba playoff chase because it has just been a wild wild uh couple of days here the knicks getting back into it a little bit i mean i I think we can argue um there's a lot to go but the knicks you know kind of showing you a little bit that they could get back into it they have the they're capable of potentially making this very interesting in the east and again just to reiterate charlotte atlanta you know, those are the teams the Knicks want to catch right now. Brooklyn uh, is going to get healthy, and I think they're going to figure it out. But Brooklyn's, you know, they're they're, tre- they're trending in the wrong direction 
right now. They're back down to 500. It's not been good. Not been good at all without Kyrie, although Kyrie dropped 50 on Charlotte the other night. So you know what they're capable of, but they still have to get healthy. And Ben Simmons won't play in this in his return to Philly. I'm sure he's going to get it from the fans, but won't actually suit up. So we don't know what that's going to look like. And then the other thing to look at in the East is seeding towards the top. You know, Toronto is going to have a chance to potentially catch Cleveland and avoid the play-in. So we'll see if Cleveland can kind of hold them off. Boston's in pretty good shape. Right now, Miami is trying to hold off a red-hot Milwaukee team that's won six in a row. And Philly, looking pretty good. They've now won eight of their last ten. And James Harden is seemingly fitting in like a glove. Chicago's fallen all the way to fourth, by the way. They're in danger of losing home court in the first round, actually. That is something to look out for, because they're now only a half game up on the Celtics for the four spot. They might end up facing off, by the way. Boston and Chicago. So that's a very important uh, thing to look at. Who's going to get home court in the first round? I think Boston would be very incentivized to, to get to that four spot, because... I would pick, I, I think I'd pick Boston right now, the way it's looking for Chicago in a seven game series if they had home court. So, man, oh man, we'll see. And, and, and the, other, the other interesting thing is, you know, the, depending on where Philly and Milwaukee finish, do you want to be the sixth seed and have to go maybe to go to Philly or the seventh seed and take on the champs? So Cleveland and Toronto might, you know, they're jockeying for position boston's trying to avoid that chicago only has a one and a half game lead on cleveland they're trying to kind of avoid going to the champs or going to the play-in so again or having maybe even having to go to philly so all those teams fighting for home court right now in the first round of the playoffs and toronto trying to fight their way out of the play-in because right now they'd play um uh, the winner of the 8-9. So we'll see. Have to wait and see how it goes. It's a uh, pretty wild scene in the East right now. In the West, again, Phoenix continues to shine. They've already clinched a playoff spot. They're going to win the West regular season. They're going to they're gonna finish at the top. Memphis is 8.5 back, so there's no way no shot that the Suns are not going to get home court throughout the entire playoffs. So the NBA is going to run through Phoenix this postseason. And it's just been remarkable what Phoenix has been able to accomplish this year after they, I mean, so many doubters, right? About Phoenix last season when the year ended, a ton of people were like, well, that's going to be it. They're not going to get a better shot. You know, they're in an even better spot now. They were the two last year. They're not going to be the one, and they're in great shape. They're in phenomenal shape. By the way, by the way, they might not. They might end up facing the Lakers or the Clippers in the first round. That's a real possibility, right now, in the West. The Lakers could end up being, or the Clippers could end up being the eight seed. Because the Timberwolves, by the way, have they've won they've won six in a row. They're the hottest team in the West. And they now have a four and a half game lead on the Clippers and a nine game lead on the Lakers. So the Lakers are going to be stuck in the play-in 
for the second straight year or worse because i just to throw this out there the lakers only have a three game lead on the blazers a three game lead and and by the way that's after the blazers have lost six games in a row blazers have lost six in a row and they're still in it it's incredible spurs have struggled a little bit of late they're only two back of the final play-in spot currently occupied by those new orleans pelicans lakers are only a game and a half up on the Pels, by the way so they are oh, they need to get their their bleep together la's lost eight of their last 10 and it's not been good at all in the pacific division for the lakers so lakers are three and ten against division opponents this year three and ten for what their expectations were that's that's really bad really really bad man we'll have to see we'll have to see denver has made up the ground on dallas so they're tied right now in the five spot denver's won four in a row nikola Jokic has just been tremendous they've won nine of their last 10 overall they've just been awesome the nuggets of late and dallas like like we just talked about just every once in a while they've won seven of the last 10 but every once in a while they show cracks they show vulnerabilities and that's exactly what they did against the knicks it just completely fell apart golden states dropped to third memphis is in second right now what what a story that would be if the grizzlies could get the two seed in the west and then and then utah kind of just hanging out in the four spot they could make up some ground on memphis and golden state but i think they're more worried about getting home court and keeping the mavericks and nuggets probably more importantly at arm's length right now utah would face dallas in the first round in the west how good of a series would that be and golden state right now would play denver in the first round just a ton of fun potentially in that series so we'll see and by the way you know the seven c right now would have to go to memphis i mean imagine if the lakers or the clippers or the timberwolves but one of those teams has got to go to memphis and likely the other to phoenix right now i mean the first round in the west is just gonna be off the charts off the charts good it really is gonna be a lot of fun so we'll see how it all shapes out i would love nothing more than to see the lakers have to go to phoenix in the first round that would just be crazy crazy stuff and then the clippers you know or the or the timberwolves whoever gets out of that as the seven possibly has to go to memphis or golden state in the first round it doesn't get more tricky and difficult than that for an opening round playoff series and again we're going to keep a close eye on it over these last few weeks of the regular season there's about four weeks left in the regular season a month from today a month from the time of recording regular season's coming to a close pretty much so a lot of good stuff upcoming few quick notes um you know some show notes before we uh depart i'm still in the tri-state area i'm going to be heading back down to florida uh for my florida work uh on april right around april 1st basically so i'll be back down there you know basically for the nba playoffs so i'm excited for that um doing more you know soccer work soccer play-by-play and other sports basketball hockey and things like that very excited 
you know, very excited to continue to do that work and uh, continue to do this work down there as well. So uh, when we get to April, you'll be starting to hear from me down in Florida. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited to continue to do this show over 140 episodes. And you all have just been tremendous throughout all of it. So again, a thank you as always for listening to the show. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. A ton to chew on as always this time of year. Let me know what you think about the Knicks and their playoff chances. Let me know what you think about the NBA playoff race, the craziness in LA, the wild play-in scenarios in the West, and more. Let me know what you think about the draft, March Madness. Throw it all my way. We'll discuss more of all of it next week. Until then, enjoy the week, and I'll see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.